Man, that song, that song gets me every time. Isn't that great truth that we need to remember over and over and over again that no matter what we go through, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're not sure we're going to go through tomorrow, the next week, the next month, whether we're going to go to school the way we thought we were going to go to school or whether we're going to see sports or not, no matter what lies ahead that we don't know about, that at the end of the day, I heard these words in that song that the work is finished already. Like Jesus accomplished all that needed to be accomplished for us to have living hope. And as hard as it may be sometimes based on our circumstances to really know that and believe it, I hope that today you feel it, that you experience it, that you know that because of Jesus, and even though sometimes the feelings don't always match what we're trying to wrap our mind around, he paid it all. He did it all. And because of that, we can, we can say it's well with my soul. And I hope it is. I hope it's well with your soul today. I hope that no matter what you're going through, what you're enduring, that something about worshiping with us today can sort of push everything else aside and say, Jesus really is enough. And he really is. He's got me. He's got you. He's got us right now. Now, we've been talking about how we're the deployed church. I've been jokingly saying, y'all probably sick of this. You're ready to be the undeployed church maybe right now. Uh, but I love this because, see, the deployed, we never stopped being the deployed church. We didn't just start being the deployed church back in mid-March. It wasn't like, oh, no, now what do we do? We can't meet on campus. Well, I guess we need to be the church outside these walls. We've always been saying that. The silver lining of what we've gone through is it's sort of said, all right, Feet to the fire, let's do this. We've got to still be the church right where we are. And the truth is, is that Jesus has given us a mission. He's actually said, I'm your living hope. I've, I, the work is finished. Now take that. I'm with you. Walk with me out into the world and show people who I am and show people my love. Pass out this living hope to others. That's, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. It's what it means to be the church. And so what we've been doing as we're winding down this series, and it is winding down, it's only through this month, um, as we're winding it down, we're now comparing ourselves a little bit to the first century church. I love the book of Acts in the Bible. It's a great book. If you like heroic stories, drama, action, man, it's, it's packed in the book of Acts. But there are these four little verses that I guess maybe I've skimmed over way too much or something. But I missed it until I heard about it a few weeks ago. I'm like, wait, what? That's, that's in the book of Acts? I didn't know that that happened. We're going to be looking in Acts chapter 11 in just a moment. And here's what we're going to discover together. How we should respond during a crisis. How we should respond during a crisis. Now, I don't know if you've done this, but have you kind of like looked back at the past four months and kind of examined like this is how you've responded during a crisis. I think it's interesting to see how everyone responds to crises in a very unique way. When things get stressful, when things get scary, when things get hard, everybody kind of handles that a little bit uniquely different depending on who they are. And uh, man, I actually have some friends who are germaphobes. And so when the pandemic got going, uh, I've heard one of them say, finally, everyone's now living my world. And they're like, like happy about it. Like, yay, everybody's more like me now. I, I know one person that I thought was a germaphobe that I think the pandemic broke them to her like, forget germs. I don't care anymore. I just want to hug people. I'm like, wait, what? You're a germaphobe. You want to do, you want to hug people right now? So everybody kind of has their own, I think, the way we're wired and our experiences. 
we handle crises differently. That's actually not what I'm talking about when we think about how we should respond during a crisis. We're all going to have different emotions and feelings. And if you're like me, yours was different on a weekly basis. Some weeks we're like, you know what? Let's, let's pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Let's be the church. Let's show the world God's love. And then maybe the next week I just, you know, want to veg and like not think about it because it's stressing me out. Or, you know, that, that's kind of how all of us are. I'm talking about an action step. I'm talking about a, a, a thing that we can all do no matter how we're feeling emotionally, no matter what this kind of does to our mood from time to time. There's something that we can do during a crisis as followers of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see what they did in the first century. And by looking at that, I believe it's going to give us exactly what we need to focus on doing here in the 21st century. So let's read it together. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 27 through 30. It says this. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Claudius was a Roman emperor. By the way, let's pause. Agabus. There's a cool new name we can get started. Can we get Agabus trending in America? New baby names? Call him Bus or Aggie. Aggie's kind of common. I don't know. Anyway, so Agabus. Did y'all know there was an Agabus in the Bible? Who knew that? All right, good. I feel better about myself because I read this book. and I see Bill Risher back there, the consummate retired pastor. He knew all about Agabus. I missed him somehow. It says this, that he went, stood up, foretold by the Spirit there's going to be this big famine, worldwide famine. Then it says in verse 29, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. All right, so let me recap. We talked about this last week. In the first century, there was a great persecution that arose. That meant that people, for whatever reason, they were, they were mad at Christians, and they wanted to either have them arrested, silenced, even beat up, and put to death. So kind of crazy. And be, it became so great and so prevalent and so intense that most all of the Christ followers in the first century, they were living in Jerusalem. They left Jerusalem. They left Judea. They went to other places. It turns out Saul and Barnabas were leading a group of new Christ followers in the area of Antioch. While they were there, this Agabus guy shows up. And he says, God, God has helped me to understand by the power of his Holy Spirit that there's going to be a famine all over the world. And it happened. And a famine, if you don't know what that is, it's basically a worldwide food shortage. A famine is a famine that doesn't affect just those who are already hungry and starving. It affects everybody. It doesn't matter what class you are. There is a food shortage. There is a famine. We don't have enough food for anybody. It's a big deal. It's a huge problem. And so when that crisis happened during the first century, it says that they responded by sending relief to each other. Now, probably going to offend some people here in a moment, and I don't want to try to offend anyone, but I've noticed that as Christ followers in the 21st century, our knee-jerk responses are a little different than this, for being honest. Like, so when a crisis of global scale shows up in the 21st century, what we tend to do instead is like, wow, that must be a sign of the times. That must be a sign that the world's about to end. 
and then we do nothing. Or we may hope for Jesus to come back. Like, oh man, this is bad. Like, isn't the world bad right now? This is awful. This is, there's so much crazy stuff going on. I just can't wait for Jesus to return and put an end to this world. We say that, we believe that, and then we do nothing. Or we try to decipher like, okay, God is mad at someone. He's judging somebody. He's casting out his judgment. Who did the wrong thing? And let's figure that out. And so we do that. Or, you know what? Somebody is making this happen, and there's some kind of uh, undercurrent, underlying issue going on. There's, I got We got to figure out. Someone's making this happen for some other reason. We don't even know. Maybe it's, you know, I, I, we got to figure out the conspiracy behind what's happening here. And that's what we do. Or we just are so bothered by it that this is, this could have been stopped. This this could have been prevented. Who, whose fault is this? And let's figure that out. So many times. Even as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're not careful, we will do those things. When we see very clearly, I love the first four words of verse 29. So the disciples determined, is what it says. So the disciples determined. Man, I love that. There was a determination. There was a plan. We're doing something, right? we got to do something about this. And the plan was... We're going to take our unique resources, our unique abilities, and we're just going to help people. (laughs) That was their initial response, and this is what I want you to know and understand today, friends. When a crisis shows up, all that Jesus wants you to do is help others. That's it. When a crisis comes, Jesus just wants you to help others. He isn't putting this horrible burden upon you, like, I want you to figure out why this is happening. He doesn't ask, I'll find nowhere in scriptures where it is incumbent upon those who follow Jesus Christ to actually figure it out and have the right opinion about it or the right feelings about it or right belief about it or to know what's going to happen next and predict it appropriately. There's nothing in scripture that calls us to that. That's what it's called. You know, in many ways, this is going to sound crazy, but if, if a Christ follower is an octopus, how many arms, kids? How many arms does an octopus have? Eight arms. Wouldn't you like, what would you do if you had eight arms? I'm so bad at multitasking in my mind, I can imagine myself being able to text and watch TV, brush my teeth, and eat all at the same time. That'd be really cool. But I'm bad at multitasking, so I would probably just use all eight arms to do the one same thing. It's probably all I would do. But if, if a Christ follower is an octopus, ironically, with all those eight arms, if we're not careful, what we do is we reach out to uh, try to understand what this is all about, to reach out and try to, okay, I need to decipher what God is doing. Who is he judging? Who's at fault? Who has sinned and caused this horrible thing to happen to our world or to our country We reach out here and try to understand who's behind all this, who's to blame, and we're doing all this reaching for those things without one single arm reaching out to say, I want to help you. I want to give you living hope. I want to make a difference. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen next. But I have Jesus, and I have this living hope within me, and I want to to help. 
I love that. I love that that's what the first century church did. And, and let me just pause for a moment and tell you this. That was so radically countercultural for the first century that what those Christ followers did is actually help people because here's how things went in the first century. A lot of times we want to assume, well, wow, that's really cool. That was the beginning of the church. That was the beginning of Christianity. There were Christ followers, and everyone else was godless. They either believed he didn't exist or didn't care or whatever. That's actually not true. In the Greco-Roman world, there were a bazillion gods and goddesses with a little g, not a capital G. In temples that were built in honor of those gods and goddesses dotted the horizon of many of these cities and locations. And so when a thing like a global famine were to happen in the world, do you know what they would do? They would say, okay, everybody, go to your temple, to your favorite god and your favorite goddess, and you want to wail and weep and grovel and beg and plead and do anything you can to appease that god so that they will intervene and stop what's happening and remove these horrible circumstances from us. And back in the first century, because that's not what Christ followers did, they were mad at the Christ followers. You, you, okay, go, go, like, go to some temple and, 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 and beg and plead and borrow and do whatever you can to get your God to stop all of this. It was so countercultural that the Christ followers, instead of doing all that, they said, let's help. People are hungry. And specifically, kind of a nice little tangent here is the believers in Jerusalem stood to suffer the most. They stood to starve the most because they were in the epicenter of all the persecution that was happening around them. You think anybody in Jerusalem was going to throw some food at the Christ followers that they were trying to put in jail and kill? No, they were going to go hungry for sure. So the believers who had left Jerusalem said, we got to help our brothers in Jerusalem, man. They're going to starve to death. How can we help? And it says they use their unique abilities and to send relief to those people. And that's the next step I believe Jesus is offering us to take with him today. He's on the move. He is alive and well. He's still at work. And he's at work right now in the midst of this global pandemic. And so what does he want you and me to do? He wants us to use our unique resources to help someone. That's it. That's what you're deployed to do. That's what I'm deployed to do. And right now, I'm like you. I'm trying to predict, will sports happen? What will school look like? And I don't know. So many more questions and hardly any answers. But I will tell you one question. What should we do during crisis? There's a clear answer. Help others. And what's really cool is in this very room and here as you're watching and listening online, you, every single one of you, are very unique. There's no one else like you. The way you're wired with your personality, the things you enjoy doing and how you enjoy doing them, the things you're good at, all of those things come together to give you the unique, unique ability to, to bless someone. And that's what I want you to think about as we close our time together is how does God want to use how he made me who I am to help someone else, to encourage someone else, to bless someone else, to show them the living hope of Jesus. And it can be very practical with actual resources to help feed people. And we've been doing that with our COVID relief fund that people have been giving to. It's been so cool to see how we can literally feed people and help people during this crisis. 
And right now, what's interesting is in the season that we're in right now, we've, we've grown tired. You remember at the beginning of all of this? Man, we were grabbing sidewalk chalk and writing stuff out on the sidewalk for people to know there's hope and hang in there and we love you and God bless you and let's pray. And we've grown weary, haven't we? We've not done that as much. Let's not be weary in doing the most important thing God has called us to do, to be his hands and feet and help people and bless people. You may have to go find out how people need help, but something tells me if you go knock on a neighbor's door, you text some friends you've not talked to in a while, if you go looking and you're praying about it, you'll find a way to help. That won't be hard to do. The hard part is will we actually do it? Will we put ourselves out there? Will we take the time and sacrifice the resources and energy and actually help someone for him? That's how we should respond during a crisis. And I encourage you right now to ask Jesus, ask God, if you're willing to use you this week in that way. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we come before you, our living hope, we know that this is hard. I found out even today, Lord, of friends who have been diagnosed with COVID-19 and they're quarantined and they're symptomatic and struggling. And Father, there's so much hurt going on. And then on top of that, we're stressed and anxious. We've gone through a traumatic experience. And then there's the other stuff of life that we're dealing with. And Lord, just right now, in the midst of this global crisis, you have taught us that you just want us to help. So Father, I pray that you would make it well with our souls, that would give us your peace and your hope, and in so doing, allow us to give that to other people. Right now, Father, people need to know you are here, you are real, and there is relief, that there is help. May we be the ones that show them your help. Use every single person watching, listening, here on campus and online. Use every single one of us today, this very week, to be your hands and feet. Help us to accept the mission that you've given us, to simply help others. And we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I thank you all for being here on campus and for joining us virtually online. Man, it is such a blessing to get to worship together today. If you want to take a next step with Jesus, we want to know about it. And all you got to do is just text us the word STEP to the landline number 859-356-3162. And by doing that, we'll know. And you'll get a few questions that will come to your cell phone. And you can answer those. We promise we won't totally stalk you like crazy. But we want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to equip you. So I encourage you, if you want to take a next step with Jesus, text us that word today. Thank you for worshiping with us. Let's get out there and help others this week. God bless you guys.